0: So we're going to continue our study this morning uh equipped for the journey kingdom vision um so I'm going to sp- be spending some time in in several scriptures here so I'll do my best to just let these scriptures uh uh go go through these scriptures and uh for us to be to have a kingdom vision We talked about this last time. We have to do three things. We have to acknowledge the dangers all around us. And we have to make a covenant with our eyes. And number three, we have to flee when we see those dangers. The covenant I have with my eyes keeps me focused on Jesus. It keeps me focused on the things that I need to remain focused on. The things that will blur my vision will be somewhere within the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These three are of the world. And this world will pass away along with the lust thereof. And if any man loves this world, there's a warning. He will pass away with it. How serious is it to make sure that we are kingdom-minded and have a kingdom vision? What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How serious is this? Our eternity depends on it. Luke chapter 21, beginning at verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time Your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, watch. What are we to do? Watch. And pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape to escape all these things that will come to pass these things shall come to pass and to stand before the son of man the the warning here found in this series of scriptures is to to keep ourselves from the cares of life and from drunkenness and, and, and the things that weigh our hearts down and cause us to lose our focus because we don't want to be caught in that moment not prepared for His return. Can you deliver yourself to the world and be delivered from its end? Can we give ourselves to the world and not head toward the path that the world is headed to? Colossians 3 and 1. We will read several scriptures here in Colossians. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Are there any who have risen with Christ. Anyone in the building today, have you been risen? Have you uh, been resurrected like Christ? If we have risen with Him, we are to seek. We are to seek those things which are above. Let's define those things. And this all begins with Being resurrected from the dead. When we obey Acts 2 38, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, everyone. How many? Every one of you in what? In the name? Does it matter? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. If you want your sins remitted, it matters. Because Jesus Christ is the only name that brings remission. And then after that, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What happens is repentance brings death to our old man. True repentance leaves a gravestone that reads, David Pearson died April 4th, 2010. True repentance should leave a memorial that says, this man is no longer alive. You've got to be looking somewhere else now because he's no longer alive. He has passed away. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ live in me. I'm not living for myself any longer. That man has been crucified with Christ. That's what repentance, uh, that's what dying out is. Repentance is dying out to who I have been up to this point. So that Christ would live in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for everyone. For everyone to have the opportunity to die out to their old ways. This old me is gone But before I can be buried, I need a time of death. You don't bury someone who's not dead. That's why we just don't dunk anybody in the water. We want somebody to understand their need for it. And recognize that they want to live in Christ, that they want to be alive, that they want to experience the newness of life. We're not going to baptize people just to have a number. We want to make sure that they are dead before they're buried. We need a time of death. Baptism in Jesus' name is the act of burial. Romans 6 and 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. We are buried with him by baptism. And Galatians 3 and 27. For as many of you as As have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. I go into the grave that dead me, but in that grave, I'm buried with him in baptism. And when I rise, I'm not rising David Pearson who passed away on April. I'm rising as the new creation, as the new man in Jesus. I'm rising in Christ. If I have been buried with him, I will be raised from the dead like him. And now I must walk in the newness of life. I'm not going to know how, uh, how to do it. That's why I must look to him like where we started uh, today. We, we have to seek him. We have to seek him. We have to look to Him indelibly to follow Christ. I must seek and search until I find Him. I've got to search with all of my heart. Well, I haven't experienced the Lord. Have you been searching? You have to ask yourself the question, what have I been doing to get close to Him? Because He said if you'll search with your whole heart, that's when you'll find me. It's not a game like where's Jesus? But my eyes can deceive me and I can spend my life looking in the wrong places. And this is why I have to keep my focus on him. This is why a pastor gets up here and preaches the way he does. Because we have to always be reminded to keep our focus locked into Jesus. So we don't miss it when he comes back for us. Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3. Verse 2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Set your affection on things above. Fix your eyes on heaven and the things that will keep you looking up. Concern yourself with pursuing holiness and righteousness, patience, love, and self-sacrifice. This is what pursuing Jesus means, is when I look to him, I'm looking for all the good qualities uh, uh, that he is and that he represents. I'm looking for those things uh, to show up in my life. And I must be dead to the things of the earth. The earthly pursuits must be moved down on the priority list. They have to take the bottom slot there. I can't make them a priority and keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Galatians 6 and 14. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Paul wrote, because I have crucified my old nature, I must also crucify my union with the world or the community that's united in direct rebellion against God. We must sever the ties completely from all who refuse to walk when you, where you are walking. The places that we're going, we can't take the world there with us. And I don't want to surround myself with voices that are contrary to the word of God. I don't want to be uh, best friends with the world because I know there is a dangerous place there. I know that there are dangers at being friends with the world. We are commissioned to reach the world, but we're not commissioned to join them and their pursuits uh, and their rebellion against God. Paul said, I have crucified myself from the world. They are dead in my eyes, and I am dead to them. I'm not trying to become popular. Come on, there is pressure among our society to be somebody and to do something with your life and to to have recognition. But I'm not trying to fit in. I'm not trying to establish a name for myself in this life. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to hang a plaque on the wall that says this is how great I am in this world because at the end, what does it profit me to gain the whole world and lose my soul? Colossians 3 and 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. The newness of life is contingent on being in Christ. Romans 8 9 tells us if any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, who is the Spirit of God, by the way, they are none of his. The world can do whatever they want to do and the the philosophies of the world and, and religion that says you don't have to have the spirit of God. They are none of His is what the Bible tells us. John 1 and 4 tells us in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Work and hunting and fishing and photography and sports. These are not our life. Jesus is and he should be our life. I can't truly live in Christ until I die to the passions that have separated me from him. Can I tell you today that all these things that I just said, work, hunting, fishing, uh, camping, or whatever you want to say, photography for me, photography is something that I'm passionate about. But if I put it uh, in the place where I should be pursuing God, then I'm removing myself from what God wants to do. Because these are not our life. They don't bring about life and joy and fulfillment by these things. They're momentary at best. He is coming back for his bride, this church, and many will miss it because worldly passions have more value than Jesus. Jesus. But those who are dead to the world will join him. I want the world to notice I'm dead to their pursuits. I'm dead to their voidless and empty passions. I am pursuing God because I want to join him. Verse 5, mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concup... I think Google said concupiscence today. That's such a weird word. We'll just call it a desire for things forbidden, because that's what it means and covetousness, which is idolatry. What he was saying was mortify or make dead the parts of your body that are more interested in fulfilling the lust of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life. And then Paul gives a brief description. Anything that would cause separation from my pursuit must be mortified, well, preacher, you don't want me to have fun and live my life. Jesus said, "He said you, uh, you could." He died so we could know life. And if you haven't experienced the peace that passeth all understanding, and the joy of His presence, and the fulfillment found within His will, then you don't really know Jesus, and you don't really know what life is like. In him was life, not in anything else. I'm not preaching to you anything you don't already know, but there are some that need to hear this. There are some that need to hear what I'm saying, what the word of God is warning us about. Real life is not found in the temporal, and that's why there's such a problem with suicide. And there's the question, what is there to live for? I've been in conversations and heard some of my friends talk that way. I've tried everything. I've done this and done that. And let me tell you, I've experienced it for myself. And I'll tell you, if you don't have anything greater than that, then you're hopeless and there's suicide right there waiting for you to end it all because you haven't found your purpose. You haven't found the reason for your existence. But can I preach to you Jesus today? Can I tell you about Jesus? If you haven't found it yet, there's still opportunity today to make it right and to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy my hope is in jesus romans 8:24 and 25 for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for him that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. My hope is in Jesus, and I may not see him now, but faith says, I know that I will. I know that if I keep plugging away and keep showing up to church one day, he's going to come back for me, and I'm going to lay my eyes on him. What I do see before me is a world trying to find hope in what is seen, but all there is to find is the illusion of hope because it doesn't exist. That is why some make it to the apex of human achievement and find it void of life and fulfillment. Why do you think so many movie stars, actors and and musicians end up killing themselves when we we at the bottom look at their life as the greatest achievement mankind has ever known and they find emptiness when they get there? Meanwhile, those who met Jesus and experience the power of the gospel, walk through pain and suffering with a hope that is not visible. When I show up week after week and I'm entrenched in all the cares and chaos of life and yet I still come to the house of, Lord, of the Lord and I'm still able to lift my voice and my hands and worship. I'm not there yet and I've got trouble all around me and life is confusing at times but I know if I hang on to Jesus, I know if I keep coming back to the altar, if I keep coming back to the church, I know I will see- him. there is no lasting joy in what I can see it's momentary even the pleasure of sin is only for a season and when that season is over the void returns and that's why one drug leads to another drug leads to another drug leads to a life of addiction and chaos until they can't take it anymore and want to take their own life. We can spend our whole life busy pursuing, chasing, and achieving emptiness. Good job. Here's your prophet. But when we meet Jesus... We don't really need anything else, do we? Don't we sing that song, take the whole world, just give me Jesus? Do we really believe that or is it just lip service? Do I really believe that all I need in this life is Jesus? Because it will bring some things into perspective. It will bring some chasing and and some pursuit into perspective. If all I need is Jesus, then why do I need all this other stuff? We don't need all this other stuff when we're walking by faith. Every generation before us who lived with a hope in the unseen found a fulfillment that produced a desire to abandon all empty pursuits. Every generation before us could see the hour that we're living in. And the joy of the Holy Ghost now embodied in humanity, and their promise and their vision was a, was way beyond their years of understanding. Hebrews eleven twenty four through twenty six. By faith Moses when he was come to years refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses didn't have to be there. Moses didn't have to be suffered. That's what he chose to do because he knew that all the wealth and all the education could not, re- uh, it could not uh, replace the experience of living for God and connected to him. Esteem in the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses met God in the wilderness, a place void of earthly achievement. There was no earthly achievement, and there is no earthly achievement in the wilderness in the wilderness nobody is greater than the next person we are all equal in the in the wilderness but one thing moses found he found eternal fulfillment and he chose to suffer affliction than to enjoy a temporary moment a temporary moment of pleasure a season of pleasure moses looked to the ages and seen christ the hope of glory Kingdom vision is eyes of faith looking through the progression of time with everlasting hope. Kingdom vision takes our eyes off of the moment and looks beyond this moment. And I'm not talking about the future of what our life is going to look like five to ten years from now and our plans to to do this thing and that thing. I'm talking about the future and the promise of the Lord coming back for His people. Hebrews 11, chapter 1, I mean, uh, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not not seen and that will always confuse this world because this world this 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 culture the society wants to look at something and behold it so they'll know and recognize that it's real this world faith says This world doesn't, uh, they don't believe in faith. The culture, the mindset, the philosophies don't believe in faith. They believe in what's tangible, but what's tangible will pass away. Verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, he received a warning. He had no evidence that this rain was on its way, that this flood was on its way, but what did he do? He moved with fear, and he prepared an art to the saving of his house. What we're doing today and what we're building today, we might not see the evidence of it right now, but there's coming a day that the warnings will all come to pass, and as long as we've been putting in the steps and making sure we're ready, guess what? We're going to make it through. We're going to save our families. We're going to save our household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city. Anybody in here looking for a city? you looking for that place that, that Jesus has gone to prepare for you. Hath found which hath a city, which fa- hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What pleases God? Live in your life with a hope that never changes based on what your natural eyes see. I may never see it with my natural eyes, but that's not who I'm trying to please or live for. Remember, he is dead. I'm not looking through the eyes of this man that was passed away, that was buried with Christ, that rose to the newness of life. I'm not looking through those same eyes. That old man no longer has eyes. They have been mortified. And now I'm living with a new set of eyes. Some of you need to clap louder than others. All you who have glasses. Come on, there's coming a day. There won't be any any need for any glasses. But you don't even need your glasses now because you got a new set of eyes, and it's not by what we see, anyways. (laughs) Well, by faith, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after Abraham. Uh, when he was called to go out in a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he moved. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. For they that say such things, they declare plainly. I'm not trying to go back. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Nothing stopped them physically from returning to the place that they left. What could happen is we could get a little bit comfortable Along the journey, and the closer that we get to purpose, we can't take as much stuff. And so there's that temptation to just go back to where it's comfortable and where I can just, I can just build a, my own kingdom and have what I really want to have. They could have done that, but verse 16 tells us, but now they desire a better country. That is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. We're going to hear that repeatedly throughout our life, that there is a city prepared for us. I'm looking to that city today. I come to church today because... I'm looking to the city and I never want my eyes to leave the promise of, 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 of stepping into that place that he has prepared for me. I'm closing. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises but they had eyes of faith eyes of hope we are getting closer and closer to the day our patriarchs had seen through faith they abandoned all they abandoned all for this for something that they could that they would never lay their natural eyes on they had opportunity to return to their land and build a kingdom for themselves. But they knew that it would never replace what they seen through the eyes of faith. First Corinthians chapter two, verses one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. And I was, as I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Which none of these princes of this world knew, for had they know, known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of Glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. There are things that will always be hidden from the natural eyes. Remember what Jesus said, without the new birth you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we, uh, we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Come on, that, that sums everything up. Well, I don't know why you live for God. I don't know why you go to church all the time. You can't see it. it's been revealed to me by his spirit what the, the treasure that I have inside of me no man can tell me this treasure God's revealed it to me we got this treasure in earthen vessels For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They are spiritually given. That's what's so powerful about the kingdom of God is is the revelation found within his word. You can't get there and you can't find understanding without being born again. And once you're born again, you gotta pick up the Bible and you gotta read it and you gotta let the spirit teach you, you gotta let the spirit bring revelation into your understanding. You know what frustrates me, and I can't can't personally do anything about this, but when you know that God can deliver somebody, when you know that God can save somebody, and you're giving them all the right answers, you're giving them the solution, and they refuse to take it. How do you overcome addiction in a life of sin? You run from it. You die out to it, and you obey Acts 2:38, and you get into the word of God, and you let him teach you and speak to you and reveal to you what man, through his natural eyes will never see. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Can I tell you that there is a reason some struggle to be successful in this life? You've been praying Whatever you have to do to me, God, don't let me be lost. And he has answered, but some don't like the answer. Well, God, if I had a better job, and if I had these things set right, I would give more. No, you wouldn't. well, if I had a few extra days off through the week, I'd give more. No, you wouldn't. That's pretty bold to say that. Well, what, what are you doing now? Where's your faith at? Are you giving out of your substance, your sustenance? Are you giving out of your, your abundance? Or are you giving out of Sacrifice? Are you giving out of faith? Well, if I had a little bit more cushion, I could take off the cushion and give to God. You wouldn't do it. But can I tell you what is going on? Is the grind has kept you in line. The grind and the struggle of every day. going through, uh, crying out to God. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Because he knows if you were successful and you had cushion and you had an abundance, you wouldn't cry out the way you cry out now. But what he's saying is, I've positioned you here so you never lose your focus and so you never lose uh, the eyes of eternity, the eyes of faith. I've got you right where you need to be. Don't stop crying out and praying. Because it's easy to fall into slumps when you have an abundance of things. And then you get used to living that way. And you want more. And it's not enough. And so you say, I need a raise. Or maybe we should both work. Or maybe we should both do this. Or maybe... Can I tell you the moments that I've had intense prayer have been the moments that I was the most confused. because I didn't have anything to pull out of my pockets. It's easy to just go to the ATM and get $20, 30 40 $100 out and take care of the problem. But we as people can get real comfortable while having a lot of things. That won't even matter in the end, and it's sad to me that that there are people who will send their children off. And I'm not talking about anybody in this place, but I'm just talking in general. There are people that will send send off their children to to band camp or to uh, sports camp or to golf camp or whatever it is to learn how to be successful in that certain field, that certain area, and then they refuse to send their kids to church camp. Where they would receive a kingdom vision, a life-changing visitation. I think we all need to really take notice of what we're trying to push our kids to accomplish. And this is the dangers. We, we, want, to, uh, we want our kids to be successful. We, we want to see them succeed in life. But at what cost? so they'd lose their soul? It's one thing to, to, for them to pursue the will of God and at the same time learn something that will, that will help them through life. But to get the order reversed will cause them to lose their soul when they put their career above their relationship with God.